Hey, if you got a brazier board, well, come up here, girl. We'll start off with we'll start off with testimonies. I know somebody else or two has got a testimony or two, so we will start off with testimonies. Praise the King! If you want to tell us what the Lord has done, just get up here, girl. Woo. You see this young woman running down this aisle? Amen. Praise the, praise the Lord. Anyway, I've had a little financial setback. And out of the blue, my ex-husband called me Sunday and said he had gotten word of it through the grapevine and wanted to help me out. So he sent me a check, or actually he sent cash, to pay off my car. And here's my tithe. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. Rosemary has found out it pays good dividends to stay in love, right? Yes. Amen. The situation that had called me to be a little financially bind was with one of my sons and his wife, and it just really was challenging to stay in love, but to I did. To say the least. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there with her. About it. <laughs> and, and, but I did. I, I, I walked around this mountain, and I'm claiming the rest of my harvest. It wasn't just financial. I'm claiming the rest of the harvest. I, there's, my, my son has five children. Those five children and my son and my daughter-in-law are going to be in this church when I get my harvest. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, she's really learning how to walk in love. Okay, now, who else had a, somebody else had a testimony? Oh, uh, oh, okay, come up here, Dean. You got a testimony? Come on. Praise the King. Let's, let's uh, get these testimonies. We love to hear what God's doing, just like well, Rosemary. I told Pastor that I had a testimony, but that's really not true. Sorry. I have two testimonies. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. On the same day, glory to God. But uh, today I worked out at Nokia, and I love it. And my boss is a wonderful Christian man, and then I'm just praying to get on full time there. But right now my contract was supposed to end uh, like mid-October or something. But today he got approved for me to be there for the rest of the year, and I get overtime, and it's just wonderful. So just praise God. I pray and keep getting on it. That was real joy to me. But I walked into his <laughs> I walked into his office today and I, I started just talking about one little thing I wanted to remind him about and I just started crying. Amen. I cried for about an hour and a half today. I said, My son has called me. After five years. No seeing, no hearing. And he called me. And some of these people in here like Rosemary and people have prayed for my son Aaron. See him. I told my boss, I'm trying to handle all these emergencies, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to look at the computer, and there's tears in my eyes. And he just gave me a big hug, and he says, I've been there myself with my daughter for two years, and she came back. And I talked to my son, and I called him a month ago, and he works about a block from me. And when I went down there, I'm at Nokia, and it's real close to Microsoft. And my son is one of the finest computer geniuses in this country. And I went by that building, and I said, you know, my son worked there, but he wanted to go to Redmond, Washington, where they're treated like gods at Microsoft. I said, I don't know if he's still here, Lord, but I really want to talk to him. About a month ago. And that night I had a dream, and I dreamed that I was talking to him in the lobby of Microsoft in Irving, Texas. I woke up and I said, Lord, that means he's here. That means I'm going to get to see him. So I walked in there 
to talk to him, and I had this badge on it says Dean Maxwell Noki, and I talked to the reception. I didn't say I was his dad. I just said, you know, I want to talk to Aaron. So she called for him, and there was no response. And she left the message, and I sent him an email and said, there's some guy named Dean Maxwell. This he, so uh, <coughs> um, I waited for about 40 minutes, and there was a no show, and then. I called the next day and I left the message and gave him my phone numbers and everything. I said, I really want to talk with you. It's been a month and there's been nothing. So what do you think when you don't hear? After You know they got the message and it's a month. You think they really don't want to you know, come back to the family at all. So today he calls me and he says, I didn't call you before. It was not a good time. And I said... Uh, he said, this is Aaron. I said, Aaron Maxwell? <laughs> you know, But he wants to talk to me. And and I just wanted to meet him in the lobby, and he wants to go to lunch with me. And he started, it wasn't like, what do you want? Nothing like that. Real nice conversation. And uh, he wants to talk to me, and tomorrow we're going to meet. And uh, I am just so excited about it. <laughs> Praise God. Thurman knows I'm a crier. But I'll tell you what. I love God. I love people. I love to help people. When your own family is not together, it's something that you try not to feel because it's deep. I feel it. What do you call me this? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So an hour and a half later, I can actually work. <laughs> but thank you all for those who have prayed for my son Aaron, for my family. That means so much to be able just to talk to him, you know. And he got married and never met his wife. And uh, maybe I'll get to see her too. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to tell her about this place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And thank you for On your prayers. To a new relationship. Yeah. Praise amen. the King. Glory to God. Amen, 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 and amen. Wow. Anybody else got a testimony? We won't stop there. Not after that. Not after that. Wow. Praise the King. All right. Praise the King. No more testimonies. Okay. Okay. We'll get in the Word. Wow. Praise the Lord. Okay. Tonight we're going to talk about the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Turn to John chapter 20. That's where we're going to start. John chapter 20. Oh, me. John chapter 20. And then I'm going to ask you what you think this means to start off with, because I read this a lot of times, and I thought it can't mean what it says. But I guess the Bible means exactly what it says. Don't you reckon? John chapter 20. So when you get to John chapter 20, that's where we're going to start. I'm going to show you many different ways. Of course, there's not a limitless way. I mean, there is a limitless way of way God can do things. You know, He put a few things in the Bible to tell us some of the ways He does things, but you can't put uh, a limit on God anyway, although He may show you three or four, five or six different ways He does things. He can still do it any way He wants to because He's God. You know, there's no limitations to what God can do. He is so beyond our wildest dreams. You know, I think about, of course, I have studied uh, 
a little bit about the stars. You know, not much, but just a little. Uh, but when I think about just a tiny little galaxy that we live in, when I think about this little earth, when I think about how this is just a little tiny marble out here, when, you know, I've read Job several times lately, and over in 35, 36, 37, 38, along in there in Job, you know, God's asking Job, where were you when I laid the foundations to the earth? You know, did I have to ask you when I put the plumb line on things? I thought, man, I'm an engineer, but if he had asked me, and I've built some big buildings all over this world, but if he was asked me how to lay the foundation to the earth, I wouldn't have a clue where to start. I mean, I didn't, you don't have nothing to start from. But here he built a beautiful ball, you know, that's over 7,000 miles straight through, 25, over about 25,000 miles around it. And he made it so beautiful and smooth. And, of course, when I was studying engineering, one of the guys made a statement. He said, see this perfect stainless steel ball bearing that we have? We're looking at this beautiful stainless steel ball bearing, slick. He said, if you were to take this bearing, this is the finest bearing we can make, man. And it's slick. I mean, it looks slick. He said, if you blow this bearing up to the size of the earth, the mountains and peaks and valleys would be many times higher and deeper than anything on the earth. And I thought, that's kind of amazing. I mean, this thing looks perfectly slick to me. But yet, if I'm going to take this little ball bearing, and I, although it looks beautifully slick, if I magnify it thousands and thousands of times, instead of having mountain peaks that are 10, 15, 20,000 feet, I'll have mountain peaks that are 50, 80, 100,000 feet. I'll have valleys that are miles deep. Isn't that amazing? But yet, when you look at that little ball, it looks perfect. Well, when you go off out there in space and look back at the earth, it looks like a beautiful, smooth, blue and white ball. Slick as glass. But yet it's got mountains on it. You know, it's got deep valleys in it. You know, I can remember when I used to fly, we'd take off out of uh, Guam. And the guy said, you know, if we ever had a crash landing just a few miles off the end of the runway in Guam, he said the ocean... I believe they told me the ocean was 30,000 feet deep right there. 30,000 feet. That's pretty deep water, isn't it? That's a pretty deep hole. You know, here's a little tiny island that's just a few miles long sitting out there in the middle, and there's a humongous mountain down there, and the top of that mountain sticking out, and the rest of it's underwater. I mean, it's thousands of feet high. You know, so anyway, I never did research that to see if they were right, but they did tell me that's the greatest depth in the Pacific Ocean is off the coast of Guam. But I think about how God took this little earth, and <clears throat> He took this little beautiful ball in His hand, and He gave it a spin, and He spun it at 1,003 miles an hour. So that it makes one revolution every 24 hours and zero seconds. Isn't that magnificent? And it don't ever slow down. You know, it don't ever speed up. And then after he gave it that little spin to go 1,003 miles an hour, then he backed off and he gave it a little sling through space so that it would go exactly the right speed so that it would stay exactly the same distance from the sun. 
so that the magnetic pull would stay exactly 98 million or 96 million miles away. 96 million miles away. Isn't that amazing? I believe it takes 8 minutes and 22 seconds for the light of the sun to get to us at 186,000 miles a second. But it does that. It's been doing that. And of course, this little earth we got that's going almost 70,000 miles an hour forward speed. Isn't that amazing? Did you know we're, we're traveling 1,003 miles an hour like this and 70, 000, almost 70,000 miles an hour forward velocity all the time? Yet sometimes you walk outside out there and there's not even a breeze blowing. Now, you want to know how, you want to, know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't have a clue. But see, God in His infinity is so magnificent. And then, of course, that's just a minor little thing. You know, I mean, here we got uh, all these planets in our galaxy that's floating around up there like the moon. You know, the moon, it's only 248,000 miles away. But He turned it exactly to the point where we never see but one side of it. You always see only one side. It, it makes one revolution with the earth. And as it does, you always see the exact same side. It does not vary. You never see the back side of the moon. You're always looking at the front. You know, isn't that amazing? And that moon is controlling the tides. The magnetic pull of the moon, if it were to vary two or three degrees, there would be times the entire surface of the earth would be covered with water. So when he says that the tides can come in this far and no more, when he said it, it happened. When he said it. And then, of course, if we were to travel at this 186,000 miles a second, we could go around the earth seven and a half times in one second. Seven and a half times. That's pretty fast. But if we straighten that out, it would take us eight minutes and 22 seconds to get to the sun. And then if we continue to that speed, it would take us a little over five hours to get to the last planet in our galaxy. And then if we continued at that speed, it would only take us four more years to get to the first star. Four more years. And you get to the first star. It's big out there. And then after that, of course, you could travel for billions of light years and still you would get, finally get to the point where that if you saw a bright light off out there somewhere, it would technically be a, a, a complete cosmos that's millions of light years across, but yet it looks like one light out there. It's so vast. And our God made all of that. And we have trouble having faith in Him. We have trouble believing He can do what He said. We have trouble walking by faith. Well, without this little part we're going to talk about tonight, you can never get there. Without the increment we're going to talk about tonight, the Holy Spirit, you can never get there. You can never walk in faith without this power. You have to have Him. If you don't have Him and you receive Him by faith, if you don't have Him, you can't never get where you want to get in life. Now then, I now know why some churches, why the enemy has come against some organizations, or he's tried against all of them, to get them to believe that the Holy Ghost is not alive and well today. That there is no such thing as a second event called a baptism of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, I had no power all those years until I believed this was real. 
And when I believe this was real, when I got this power, I'm telling you, my total life changed. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have experienced it. Now then, John chapter 20. Let's look at one of the ways that these men received the beginning of the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, they didn't get it all here in John chapter 20, verse 21, 22, and 23. But it says in John 20, 21, 22, and 23, it says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now, wait a minute. Let's meditate on that a minute. Let's don't read this book like a novel. Let's think about what he said. Jesus said, As the Father has sent me. Now, how did the Father send him? What did the Father send him to do? Did he have a job? What was he supposed to do? Save the lost, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. Is that what Jesus went about doing? All of those things. Now, he said, what, do you want to know what the Father's will is when it comes to salvation? He plans for every human being to be saved. What is the Father's will when it comes to deliverance? He plans for everybody to be free of demons. What is the Father's will when it comes to healing? He plans for everybody to be healed. Does He plan for you to have life and have it abundantly? Yes. That's what He said in His Word. In fact, when... God originally made man. He made man to never die. Man was supposed to live forever. He was going to live forever. And boy, have we listened to the enemy. And have we done what the enemy says instead of what God says. And so we, we are now programmed to think that when you're 40, you're over the hill. When you're 50, you have a casket birthday, you know. I mean, I, I, some people do. I know you ain't going to. I'm not going to, but I have. I know a catering operation that used. This guy came to me and wanted me to build him a casket and paint it black, a big wooden one. I said, "What are you going to do with this?" He said, "Well, I'm a caterer and I have parties, and I want you to build shelves and or doors in the side of it that'll pull out and everything, where I can put all my utensils and stuff, and I put all the food on the inside of it." But we cater it, and people on their, I said, what do you do? He said, on people's 50th birthday, you know, people's over the hill on their 50th birthday. So he said, they're on the way down. So he said, we have a casket, you know, we cater. And he sold that to people. <clears throat> See? He had a big deal, you know, and many a person had him do their catering on their 50th birthday. I mean, a casket, a black casket. <clears throat> Brings it in, opens the lid, there's all the food, pulls the drawers out on the side where the handles are, and there's all the utensils to cut up everything, serve everything. But they had a black casket birthday on your 50th birthday. Hey, you see how the world lives? They think when you get 50, you're over the hill. They plan for you to die. Well, guess who that is? The God or the devil? Well, we know that's a devil. You know, because everything revolves around death is a devil. You know, God planned for us as His children to live, not die. He planned for us to be well, not sick. He planned for us to have our needs met. In other words, to be prosperous and successful. He didn't plan for us to be poor and broke. I mean, all through the Scripture, when He brought men up, He brought them up and He blessed them abundantly. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Solomon, David, all those men were very prosperous men. 
because they walked with God. They did what He said. And so God blessed them abundantly with everything, knowledge, wisdom, money, everything. They had everything they needed. And He blessed them supernaturally. But right here in John twenty twenty one, He says, As the Father has sent Me, so send I you. In other words, Jesus is telling you and me we're supposed to go out and do the same things that He did. So in the course of the day, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. We're supposed to be praying for people. We're supposed to be going to the throne of grace and doing spiritual warfare against the demons of hell that are blinding the mind of people that are lost. People say, well, there's old Larry over there. Man, he's lost every other word comes out of his mouth. is a word of profanity. Ain't no use to mess with that guy. He don't want nothing to do with Jesus. And I said, oh, I go over and talk to Larry. I said, Larry, are you a Christian? Blankety blank, no. I don't want nothing to do with that blankety blank stuff. I said, what's your full name? He said, Larry Gooch. I said, good. He said, what, what's, what, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the deal here? I said, you're saved and don't know it. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm taking you to the throne of grace. I'm kicking the devils of hell out of you, and you coming into the kingdom, son. You're going to get saved. He said, you can pray for them other boys, but don't do nothing for me. I don't want that stuff. I said, you ain't going to have nothing to say about it. I went to the throne of grace every day for two weeks for that man. As I come into work, and after two weeks, he walked into my office one day and asked me about Jesus. And two weeks later, the guy got saved. And a man that was 50 years old that knew he wasn't going to be able to make it over another year or two, it had one arm, already had surgery done on one arm, and he wasn't going to have it done on the other one, and had his back that kept giving him trouble for 30 years. In the next six or eight months, I had that man completely healed and delivered. And today he's in his 60s, and he's still working. He's a ball of fire, and he knows Jesus. Now, what kind of power do we have over the devil? All. If you don't know it, you'll let the devil beat up on you. But when you learn as a son of God, the king that defeated the devil sent you to do the same things he sent Jesus to do. I mean, when the devil come and tested and tested Jesus, was Jesus afraid of the devil? What did he use against the devil? The word. That's absolutely right. He used the word. He quoted the word to him. And as the devil, did the devil leave the first time Jesus quoted the word to him? No. He come back at him with another test. He tested him with all the different things of the world, just like he will you. Gina was telling me a while ago. She said, the closer I walk with God, the more trials and tests I have. Hey, that's normal. That's the way it is. I mean, the closer you want to walk with Jesus, the more demons come against you. You know, so get used to it. But you don't have to fall to none of them. None of them. You know, you can go right on. Now then, as Jesus went across this earth doing the things He did, He says, as the Father has sent me to do His will, I am sending you to do the same thing. So what are you and me supposed to do? Same thing Jesus did. We're supposed to win the lost, supposed to talk to them about Jesus, then we're supposed to get them delivered from demons, get them free of sin, and then we're supposed to get them, after we get them saved, we're supposed to get them free from demons, delivered. Then we're supposed to get them healed and even raise the dead. Now, that takes lots of faith to go there. In fact, I was in a Baptist church here not too long ago. The pastor was preaching on something, and I got so tickled. I was sitting back there in the congregation. And he says, you know, right here, Jesus raised the dead. 
He said, how long has it been since you've seen somebody raised from the dead? And I almost jumped up. <laughs> and I thought, I guess I better not ruin his sermon. <laughs> so I just sat there and was quiet. I've only seen one raised from the dead. But, you know, and he'd only been dead a half hour, you know, so for Jesus that was nothing. You know, pretty startling to me. But anyway, I did get to see the Lord raise one man from the dead. But there is several different people alive today on the earth. And, of course, uh, I know a few of them personally that have been involved in raising from the dead. I remember, of course, my associate pastor, which he's not here tonight, but a good friend of his, which I met personally, Bob Shadows. He was a Baptist preacher. And Bob, some of you may have read read, uh, Bob's books. I think he's written one or two or three but he was a normal Baptist preacher, and one day he went to seeking God, and he said, Lord, you told us that you sent us to do the same thing you've done, and I have never even seen the sick healed or anything, but you said, raise the dead even. He said, Lord, why don't we see anybody raising the dead? And the Lord spoke to him, heard his audible voice. He said, because you don't ever preach it. He said, Lord, do you mean I've got to preach it? He said, yes, you've got to build people's faith in that area. So Sunday, he preached we were sent to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and to raise the dead. I mean, he had a great sermon on Sunday, and he was proud of himself when he got through preaching that. He said, Lord, I preached it. He had no idea what was going to happen on Monday morning. On Monday morning, one of the ladies called him and said, Brother Bob, we need you to come down to the hospital. He said, oh, what's wrong? She said, John has just passed away. John got sick and passed away this morning? She said, yes, and we want you to come down here and raise him from the dead. <laughs> Bob said, I wilted. I, he, only, he only preaches on Sunday, and already on Monday morning he's being put to the test. He said, I am in agony. He told me this. I heard him tell me this personally. He said, I went down to that hospital. I am in pain. I am suffering. I said, God, please, Lord, you've got to show up. I mean, he was in pain. He said, I walked in that hospital, and one of John's little grandsons come running across there and said, Pastor, Pastor Bob, praise the Lord. You come to raise Granddaddy from the dead. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, he said, Son, quiet, quiet. <laughs> you talk about putting a Baptist preacher to the test. He said, I walk into that room, I am in torment like I have never been in my life. And I walk in there and said, when I walk in there, Brother John laying there cold, hard. And the doctor sitting there with his arms crossed. And he said, she won't have it no way except I can't do a thing until you come and pray. He said, I walked in and I knelt down beside that bed and I reached up and touched John and said, he's cold dead. <laughs> he said, I said, oh God, Lord. He said, I'm saying, Lord, please, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm in big trouble. Oh, he was in agony. He said, I closed my eyes in agony and I reached up and laid my hands on that cold, hard body and I said, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. You told him, I don't remember all the things he said. But he said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to raise John from the dead. And he said, when I said that, I heard somebody scream. And I opened my eyes right quick and said, the doctor had screamed. John had opened his eyes. And he said, all of a sudden, John began to move. And he got up and he was completely healed right there in their presence. 
that made a, that made a different Baptist preacher out of Bob Shadows. I will say that. I mean, but see, God told him, he said, if you'll preach it, then I'll do it for you. But if you're not going to do it, then I'm not going to do it for you. Now, that's what's wrong with us. We don't have enough faith in God to believe He will do what He said. And so, right here, though, the Lord told us. This is Jesus talking, isn't it? He said, As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. In other words, at least we could go out and win people to Jesus. I mean, some of us won't even do that, right? Some of us have never led a human being to Christ, and some of us have been Christians 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And we've never led a person to Jesus. Well, now, if you're not willing to go out and tell people about Jesus, forget about getting somebody healed or raised from the dead. You know, I mean, God ain't going to start you out raising somebody from the dead. If you don't have the faith to go out and somebody comes to me and says, well, I'm going to go down to Africa or Peru or wherever we're going, we're going on a mission trip to Mexico or whatever, and I'm going on this mission trip. I say, you are? I said, how many people you went to Jesus this last year? Well, I ain't won nobody. Well, you ain't going on that mission trip with me. If you ain't winning people right here where you live, they ain't, you ain't going on no mission trip meet to somewhere else. If, you ain't, if you're going down there, you're going to try to go for a vacation. You ain't going down there to win people to Jesus. If you're not working, doing something where you are, if you ain't winning people to Christ, if you're not talking to people about Jesus, and you're not winning nobody into the kingdom of God, then forget it. There ain't no use in you going to Mexico or Peru or, or South Africa or nowhere else to try to get it done. Now, if you've said, yeah, I've won 50 this year. Well, if you just say, I've won 10 this year, then hey, at least I know you're about the Lord's business. It's just 10. But if you say, I ain't won none. I've never won nobody to Jesus. Then I don't want you on a mission trip with me to win people's souls to Christ. Now, I said, we're going down there not only to win souls, but we're going to go down there to get people healed. I said, how many people you got healed in the last year? Well, I ain't never prayed for nobody for healing. Then forget it. I don't want you with me. I don't want you. You know, I won't train people when we go on a mission trip. Don't you? If you're not willing to get trained right here where you live with your next door neighbors, if you're not willing when your neighbor gets sick, you're not willing to go to the hospital and pray for them, then forget taking you to Peru. You're going down there for a vacation. You ain't going down there to get somebody healed. But Jesus said, as you go, I have sent you to do the same things the Father sent me to do. So, when he says that, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. How did he do that? Receive the Holy Ghost. Now, you think if Jesus, if you were one of his disciples standing there, Eldon, and he says, Receive the Holy Ghost, you think you're going to receive it? Amen. Glory to God. Now, I don't know I don't know how much of that it is. I don't know how much of the Holy Ghost they got, but they didn't get it all. They didn't get it all. Now, they got some, but they didn't get it all. But they got some. Now, I don't know how much. It doesn't tell me how much. But if, he, if Jesus breathed on you and said, receive the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you, you got something. Yeah, and I don't know what, but they got something. It doesn't tell me what. But he said, now then listen to what he says in the next verse. I read this a lot of times. Whosoever sins you remit. What? Whosoever sins you remit, 
they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Somebody says, I, ain't no way I could forgive somebody's sins. Well, that's what he said you could do. Lord, I come to the cross on behalf of John Doe. Lord, this man needs his sins forgiven. Lord, I'm standing in the gap for this man. I'm forgiving that man's sins. I'm asking you to forgive that man's sins. Because who's in you? Christ. In you. The Holy One is in you. And so you can forgive those sins. He said so right there. So do what he says. Just believe what he said. If Jesus said it, that's good enough for me. You know, I don't have to have it explained away to me, you know, by somebody or anybody else or a PhD or nobody, nothing else. If Jesus made me a simple statement, I just believe he meant what he said. And he says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. He sent him to forgive sins, save the lost, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. So he sent me and you to do the same thing. We are supposed to be an example of Christ. Christ is supposed to be right here. When somebody looks at you, they ought to say, Whoa, there's Jesus right there. How do you know that's Jesus? Well, that man's always talking about Jesus, and every time he talks, when he prays, things happen. Miracles happen. That's a good sign he's in there, isn't it, brother? Now then, if you pray, or if you're like I was the first 35 or 40 years of my life... I didn't see God do nothing. I think He's supposed to have been in there when I was 11, but I must not have got much of Him. Only a little bit. And I didn't win nobody to Jesus. I mean, I was already a Sunday school teacher and a Baptist deacon and everything else, and I had never won a single soul into the kingdom of God because I didn't know about this Holy Ghost. I just had a little chunk of Him. Probably this little part when Jesus breathed on them, that's probably all I had. Just a little bit. But I was saved, so I had a little bit. But I didn't have no power. Well, now let's go to Acts 1, verse 4. Let's turn over a couple of pages. To Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, He, you have heard of me... For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, he's telling them to wait. Now, just, Jesus just told them, receive the Holy Ghost. It's obvious they didn't get it all, right? Because if they had, he wouldn't have told them to wait to be baptized with his power. So, I'm going to tell you, just like Jesus told him, don't you ever leave home without the Holy Ghost. Now, if you try to go out there and do something great for Jesus and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're going to get beat up on by the devil. I mean, you're going to get stomped on without the Holy Ghost and that power that's in the Holy Ghost. You cannot do what God's called you to do. You can't do it on your own. You've got to have this Spirit. Now, that He told them to wait until the Holy Ghost comes. Now, they already received Him, but He says, wait. When they therefore were come together, they asked of Him, saying, Lord, will Thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the season 
which the Father has put in His own power. Now, let's put it this way. God is God, and He knows what He's going to do, and you ain't going to change it. And there's some things you're going to ask Him for, and He's going to say, no, I ain't giving you that answer. I ain't telling you. You know, the secret things are God's. You know, so you can ask Him anything, and some things He'll tell you, and some things He won't. You know, but He's God. That's just like Richard Eby. How many of you ever heard of Richard Eby? Anybody ever heard of Richard? Only one that I see in here that's heard of Richard Eby. But Richard Eby also was a man that when he was in Chicago, when his sister died, he was a doctor from California, and he went up to sell her estate, great Christian man of God, and she had a two-story house, an old wooden one, and hadn't been very well maintained, and he walked out on the upstairs porch and leaned on the rail, and when he did, it broke, and he fell head first through the brook with the uh, uh, shrubs down and hit on a curb head first and split his head wide open on a curb. Brains went out all over the sidewalk. He's DOA. He's a doctor. They come pick him up, DOA. They send him to the morgue, to the hospital. They check him, put him down the morgue in a, in a refrigerated container and find out who he is. Call his wife from California and said his wife, called his wife said, your husband is DOA. He's the hospital. You need to come claim his body. When they told her, the Lord told her, said, he's not dead. Just go over there. So she heard the Lord tell her, he's not dead. So when they called, said, he's very dead. Now then she's got a conflicting story. The man tells them her husband is dead. The Lord told her he's not. So she gets on an airplane and flies over there and goes down. She says, I need to claim my husband. He's in this hospital. And I need to pick him up and take him home. Ma'am, you can't pick him up and take him home. He's dead. He said, no, no, no. He's not dead. He's alive. <laughs> Ma'am, we done the check on him. His head is busted open. Brains are missing. You know, he's very dead. He's down in the refrigerated container downstairs in the morgue. Well, she said, I don't understand this. So she said, well, let's go down there and see. So they went downstairs, pulled out the refrigerated table, and Richard Eby set up. He was alive. And he was totally, completely alive. And, I mean, it's awesome what God can do. I mean, you know, God raised that man from the dead. He had taken him to heaven and showed him heaven, and he sent him back. She said, Richard, I want you to go back. I want you to go tell my people, every church, and he owned a big hospital out in California. He said, I want you to give that away to some ministries. And he said, I'll take care of you. Just give that hospital away. And so he did. I mean, he gave it away, everything with it. And then he was told, said, I want you to go tell my people, get ready. I'm coming for them soon. And so he, he was told, I don't know, I, of course, I haven't watched TBN in several years. I don't know if he's been on there lately, but last time I saw him, he was about 80 years old. And this happened when he was about 60 or 65. But Richard Eby was still alive. Well, after he had this experience with heaven and he saw heaven and how beautiful it was, he's telling everybody how beautiful. I mean, I've seen him, I guess, four or five or six times on TV and tell this story on the Praise the Lord show. I mean, every six months or a year or so, they'd have him on there. And, man, I just love to sit there listening to him tell about heaven, how beautiful it was. One day he was over in Israel and he was down in Lazarus' tomb. And all of a sudden, the light went out, and he said it was pitch black. And he said, when the light went out, I said, I sense someone standing beside me. I said, Lord, is that you? And he said, yes, son, it's me. He said, why did this light go out? He said, I'm fixing to take you on another trip. He said, where am I going? He said, I'm going to take you to hell. 
He said, Lord, Lord, I'm washed in the blood. You can't do that. He says, Son, I'm God and I can do anything. You're fixing to go to hell. And he took Richard Evie to hell. He said, Lord, why are you taking me? He said, because I took you to heaven and showed you how magnificently wonderful it is. And you've been telling people about how wonderful it is. Now I want you to be able to tell them at the same time how awful hell is. And so he spent just a minute or two as all the Lord left him in hell. And he said, it was so awful, so awful, so awful. He said, if I'd have been there any longer, I think I'd have lost my mind. He said, it was terrible, awful. It was just to hear him tell it. It just, it just, he just can't hardly talk about it. You know, he couldn't. It was so awful. But what can God do? He's the boss. Is there anything hard for God? No, nothing. I mean, He can do anything. But here He's telling us we need this magnificent Holy Spirit before we go out and do anything. So He's saying right here that He says He's going to baptize us with this magnificent Holy Spirit. He says. Uh, verse, where was I? And he said to them, it is, okay, I read that. But after, okay, verse uh, 8. He says, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and into Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When did he say we were going to have this power? After the Holy Ghost comes upon us. Now, why, being raised up in a church that didn't teach me about the Holy Ghost, why is it that I had no power to pray for the sick, no power to win anybody into the kingdom. I was a deacon in the church. I was a Sunday school teacher in the church. I worked on the buses. I maintained the fleet. I could do all kinds of things, but I had no spiritual power. I never saw a single person get saved. I didn't even know I could pray for the sick. I had no idea that was even available. I had never seen it. I'd never saw it in the Scriptures. I didn't know it. So without the Holy Ghost, I didn't have this ability. I didn't have the Holy Ghost. So, But he's telling them, don't leave home without the Holy Ghost. Wait for the coming of the power. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. You think the king's coming again one day? Hey, right there's another place where he says, look up one day. He's coming. I don't know when that's going to be, but the way things are shaped up in the world, it might not be very long. So you want to be looking for his coming. You don't want to be too busy and too tied up with the things of the world. You want to be believing. In fact, last night I sat down last night at about 12.30 and somebody gave me a copy of the DVD here a while back, Left Behind. I watched that until about 2 or 2.30 this morning. And I thought to myself, wow, what that would be like. I mean, that DVD, what that would be like. It would be, it would be awesome. But that whole story is about the way we think, or at least the people that wrote the movie, think it's going to happen. And it could be just like that. We don't know. 
I don't know all those things about how all that's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I do know He's coming back. And I know because it's written right there. That's just one of many places it's written that Jesus is coming back. So I'm looking for Him. Now, I don't know when it's going to happen, but He's coming. And that angel right there said He's coming just like He left. Now, when He left, they watched Him go up. You know, you go out to an airport and you watch some guy take off in an airplane and you watch him go up into the cloud and disappear out of sight. And every time I see one of those do that, I thought, you know, one day there was a group of men before there was an airplane and before there was airports, they watched the king rise just like that up into the clouds and out of sight, standing in the air. They watched him go. And then not only that, but I believe with all my heart that all those people in the Old Testament that Jesus raised from the dead after His resurrection in Matthew chapter 27, starting with verse 52, I believe He took them back as a wave offering with Him when He went back to the Father. So I believe when Jerusalem saw a day they never will forget, not only did they see the king rise on the mount going up in but all of a sudden they began to look around and there was people all over everywhere that was ascending going back to heaven at the same time wow what a day huh but that happened that happened now the devil had to keep that quiet he didn't want nobody to know about that these people had to be in shock that was sitting there watching this happen but this happened it is written in the books of Israel and in the history, and it's written here in the Bible that Jesus, after His resurrection, these Old Testament saints, the tombs opened and they came out of the graves and they walked in the streets of Jerusalem. It's written right here in the Word of God. And so when Jesus ascended, I have no doubt in my mind, He took them with Him and they went back to heaven. Then it says... Uh, <clears throat> Then let's go down to verse uh, 12, uh, 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, and they abode there with Peter and James and John and Andrew and all these guys. We'll skip on down because he's just telling all the different men. And then verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, there's no telling what God will do, just like I told you all. I don't know how many of you had prayed for the healing school, but I would, I would covet your prayers that you would pray for this little group that meets here for Tuesday night Bible study and Sunday afternoon services and once a month healing schools that God would bring the people that needs to hear what we have to teach here. You know, I would covet your prayers because I've done more praying in the last month for this last healing school than I ever have since I've been in the healing school business and I had the biggest group of people I ever had at a healing school. Now, Ty might say, don't pray so much because me and him and his wife, we stayed here till 1 o'clock in the morning, didn't we, Ty? Yeah, it was 3 before we got home at least. And I know it was late. And I told him when we finally went out to eat, I told him, I said, man, I'm glad there was two teams of us at least. Because if it hadn't been men, we'd have been here a long time. But with two teams of us praying, we're still here till after way after midnight. But these all continue with one accord in prayer 
So that's what we need. Without prayer, nothing happens. God doesn't move without prayer. If you don't pray, He ain't going to do nothing. So when you pray, then it'll move the hand of the king. But without prayer, you need to realize nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to get saved. Nobody's going to get healed. Nobody's going to get delivered because the church and their prayers are in control of what happens on the earth. So if we don't pray, nothing don't happen. When we pray, nothing's impossible. But after they continued in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they continued in prayer. Okay, now let's go to Acts 2, verses 1. Turn over the page to Acts 2. Acts 2, 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost... Now, they had been praying for ten days. I can tell this was a normal Baptist group. They prayed for ten days. Maybe I should have said this is a normal church group. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever been to church anywhere of any kind that they prayed ten consecutive days as a group for anything? No, ain't nobody holding Okay, so <clears throat> it wasn't just the Baptists, was it? It wasn't the Pentecostals. It wasn't the Episcopals. It wasn't the, we just don't pray like that no more, do we? We don't meet and pray like that. But these people did. Ten days they met and prayed. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. They're still here. Ten days, they're in one place, one accord. And suddenly, after ten days of praying, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. I thought it fixed that, but again, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You hear that jet go, whoa! And that's what we're waiting for, see. It says, and, they were, and there appeared, uh-oh, that's the next thing, and there appeared unto them at cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Now, boy, wouldn't you like to see a demonstration of that today? Yes, I would. But you don't have to. You don't have, they were still living in the, the sense, knowledge, faith world back in that day. It's changed since then. God made a new revelation when He brought Paul on the scene. And from the time He brought Paul on the scene, Paul constantly preached revelation faith. No more sense knowledge. Now you've got to believe it first. At first, the Lord started us out as little children. And He came to Himself and showed us what He would do. It's sense knowledge. He walked around touching people, healing them. And they said, He's a healer. He wants to do this. And they'd come over and he'd touch them and, and heal them. And everybody that would believe, when he touched them, if they believed, he would heal them. Nobody did he turn down. He wanted them to be free. But when he went back to his own hometown in Nazareth, and they looked at him and said, this is, this is a kid that's supposed to be healing people? This is Joseph's son. This is a carpenter. Who does he think he is? God? And there He, Jesus, could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Now, if the Father wouldn't release the power for His own Son to do miracles when the people didn't believe, what do you think He's going to do for me or you today if they don't believe? He ain't going to do nothing. He ain't going to do nothing. That's why you've got to do so much teaching first. 
You've got to teach people what the Word says. You've got to build their faith mountain high where they can believe God. When they get to where they can believe Him, then well, you can pray for them and you can see great and awesome things happen after you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, forget it. Then he says there, and after these tongues of fire, and verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled, full, overflowing. I mean, this thing's coming out the top. I mean, you can see it from their feet up right up through their body. And this flame of fire is coming out of the top of their head. Man, they're full. I mean, they're full of fire. That's the way we've got to be today. I mean, you've got to be full of the Holy Ghost and fire. And when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit is the one that moves up on you to bring these different gifts into manifestation. Now, what gifts? Anybody read about? How many gifts are there that we know in the Scriptures? Nine. That's exactly right. There's nine. Tongues is only one of them. You know, there's, there's eight others. Now, He can bring any or all of them upon you, but He brings them upon you as He wills. You know, He brings those gifts upon you. does great and mighty things through you. And then He says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own dialect. I mean, if you were from North Texas, you heard them speak in North Texan. If you were from South Texas, you heard them talk in South Texan. Had a little Spanish thrown in there with it, right? You know, so every man heard them talk in his own tongue or his own dialect. I mean, God is beyond our wildest dreams. And what's amazing to me, here is Peter standing up here talking to a group like this, and there's all kinds of different nationalities, and each one of you heard him speaking as if he was talking in your dialect. Isn't that amazing how God can do that? Somebody says, I don't believe that. Why, you have no idea who God is at this point. You've got to realize that with God, nothing is hard for God. I mean, nothing. I mean, He's beyond our wildest dreams. The only thing that limits God on the earth today is what we think He can do. If you limit Him, then I'm sorry. That's where your limitations are. If you think God can't do this, or you don't think He can save you, or you don't think He can forgive you of all your sins, or at least maybe you got one or two He can't forgive because they were so bad, then you can't be forgiven. You limit Him by your belief. I mean, that's the only thing that prevents God from doing awesome things is because we, the church, don't believe our King can do what He said He can do. Well, let me tell you, when you take that magnificent Scripture in Ephesians 3.20, Ephesians 3.20 says, I can do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can think or imagine. But then the rest of that verse is there too. According to the power that works in you. Now, how much of that power is in you? According to the power that works in you. Do you have a tenth of that power in you? Or do you have a third of that power in you? Or do you have 50% of that power in you? Or do you have 100% of that Holy Ghost in you? Well, if you've got 100% in there, there ain't nothing impossible with you and God. 
If you believe that, man, you can walk across this earth with 100% of God in you, man, there will no limit. You can speak His Word. You can cleanse the lepers. You can raise the dead. You can heal the sick. You can do anything. But if you think, oh, I'm not sure whether He can do that or not. So you got 10%. You ain't going to see much. You get to see a little. But it's according to the power that works in you. How much power do you have? Well, it's just like if you were an engineer. And you went to a very poor school. And you didn't learn very much. You graduated with a D plus. If you can graduate with a D plus. I don't want you building my building. Because it might fall. But you're only going to be able to build a building according to the knowledge or the power that you have in you. Now, if you were a straight-A student, hey, I want you working for me. If you mastered engineering, you're a straight-A student. And then if you passed every test with a, I mean, an A+, plus, made a 100 on everything, that's the guy I'm looking for. We're going to put you to work. And I'm going to, I don't have a problem. You get through building my building, I'll walk up it. I'll ride the elevator up it. But if you've passed with a D plus, I, yeah, I'm not sure I want you working me. If you do work for me, if you're the only one I can find, I guarantee I'm going to check your work close. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm coming from? Yeah. yeah. Do you take your car to a mechanic to get it worked on that never had, never had fixed it the first two or three times you took it back and he never could fix it? Do you keep taking it back? You take it down and that guy, you walk up and you say, I'm having a little trouble with my car is doing this. Oh, I know what's wrong with that. Right here, raise it. So here's the problem right here. Click, click, and fix it for you real quick. In fact, one day I saw a deal on television years and years ago and they took a car back, back in the days when they used to still have rotors on the distributors you know, uh, before they done all this electronic stuff. And they broke the little tang that holds the rotor straight, and it turned sideways. Some of you may have seen that. And they took that to like 15 garages in the Metroplex. And the guys checked it out, and it wasn't running well. They checked it out, and they had every garage, the name, the guy. It was all on camera. And every one of these guys, and out of the 15, 14 of them misdiagnosed the problem. Anything from a major overhaul to a valve job to a blown head gasket. And they took it to one shop, and it was missing. And the guy said, wait a minute. That's running like there's something wrong with the ignition. Jerked the distributor cap off. Said, oh, there it is. Your rotor's broke. Run in, got a new one. Stuck it on her, put the cap on. Said, that's fine. That'll fix it. I said, how much weight? He said, did nothing. He said, you know, come back sometime when you got something bigger than that. And I'll fix it for you and charge you. But otherwise, you're free. He didn't charge them nothing and he fixed it. Now, let me tell you, if I was going to take my car to a shop, I'm going to take it to that guy. That's the guy I'm looking for. But that guy said, you need a major overhaul? Maybe, let me tell I ain't taking my car to him. Because all it needed was a rotor, a $1 rotor, and they want to do a $1,000 overhaul. Hey, there's a lot of them out there. A lot of them. Why are they like that? Because they don't have that knowledge that power is not in them. They don't have it. Now then, that other guy, he had the knowledge in him. So what can he do? He can do exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine. According to the power, he has the knowledge of those automobiles in him. So when he brings his car to you, he can fix it. 
and he can fix it at a good price. Now, sure, some things may take a little longer and may cost more money. But he has the knowledge in him. He has the power in him to fix it. So, that's what you need as you go out. In the spirit world, you need this Holy Ghost. If you don't have this Holy Ghost, forget it. Stay at home. You ain't going to get nobody saved. You ain't going to get nobody healed. You ain't going to get nobody delivered. You're not going to see any miracles from God if you don't have this Holy Ghost. You've got to have it. That's all there is to it. And he says here, as we go on, let's see how far I want to go on this. Uh, let's go down where after they're talking about talking in tongues and all the work things. Uh, he says, as we hear them talking in our tongue in verse 11 and then 12, they were all amazed and were in doubt. Hey, they ain't changed much, have they? We're still the same way. We hear somebody talking in tongues. Don't go to that church. There's something wrong with them people. You know, I mean, them holy rollers over here. I looked in the window one night and them people run, rolling around the floor, flopping around. There's something wrong with them. Don't go in that church. Or isn't it a shame what we do to Christians? Isn't it a shame? But it hadn't changed. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? And others mockingly said, These men are full of new wine. They're drunk. Isn't it amazing what we do? Have we changed very much? No, we have not. Anytime anything happens that you don't understand in church, you think that just because you don't do this or just because you go to a church where somebody raises their hands and worships and prays and jumps and dances, oh, I ain't going back to that church. I mean, I go to a Baptist church all my life. got me something wrong with it because we never jump up and down and dance and raise our hands in a Baptist church. There's got to be something wrong with that bunch. We've got to be the only ones in the world that's right. Well, then maybe you don't like to raise your hands and jump up and down and dance, but that don't mean you're wrong. If that's how you want to worship God, okay. But if there's another bunch over here that wants to jump up and down and worship, even dance and praise God, does that mean they're wrong? No. You know, so don't make fun of them. They may have learned something that you don't know. They may have learned some secrets that will make them jump up and down. And they may see Jesus do wonderful things. I'm going to tell you, just like in the Baptist church when I prayed for Philip, the young man back here on the camera, and the sound, when I prayed for Philip years, 11 years ago, when his mother saw his warts and scars go away, I'm telling you, we had a charismatic mother in the Baptist church. I mean, that his mother was ecstatic. I mean, she'd come in with her hands raised, jumping up and down, saying, Praise God, Thurman, look what Jesus done for my baby. She was happy. Now then, it's amazing if we get Jesus to do a few things. There might be a few more of us Baptists that would get ecstatic. You know, so maybe we need to learn how to pray. Maybe we need the Holy Ghost, reckon? I think that's the problem. I think that's the issue that we're missing in the Baptist church. But praise God, I had him. You know, I don't know how many of the rest of them had him, but I had him. And I knew what he would do. And I knew how to pray. And that's why Philip don't have a wart or a scar on his body today is because I had learned and got a hold of the Holy Ghost a few years earlier. And praise God for the Holy Ghost, you know. Don't leave home without Him. If you don't know anything about Him, don't talk about Him. You know, learn about Him. You know, re- learn how to receive Him because it's awesome. It'll change your life forever. But these men, they were mocking. 
Yeah, in verse uh, 13, they were mocking, saying, These men are drunk. They're full of wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, that wouldn't have anything to do with today. You know, today at, three, at the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning, you still see people totally wiped out. Totally. I mean, at least back in those days, you know, usually they got drunk at night, and then by the time they woke up in the morning, they're all okay. But today, you can find them drunk, stoned, any time of the day or the night. It makes no difference. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in that last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon how much? I thought that was a misprint. All flesh. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Wow. I saw an open vision the other day on Sunday afternoon right here in church. So guess what that makes me? A young man. He says, and your young men shall see visions. I saw an open vision while I was teaching on Sunday afternoon about the crowns. I saw it right here. Of course, I've had many of those. Many of those in my life. But I've had also a few dreams. But I don't have very many dreams. Almost every time God speaks to me in an open vision, I've seen many of those in my life. I couldn't even tell you how many. I didn't see any till I got the Holy Ghost. After I got the Holy Ghost, I began to see these things. Before I got Him, I never seen one. Didn't have one. Didn't know. I had a few dreams. I did have a few dreams. And that came true. And one of them especially, I didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost when I was in the Air Force. I mean, I was raised in the Baptist Church, loved God with all of my heart, you know. And I went, I was called into the military for the Vietnam War. I was drafted. I went into the military. I went up to the, the training area and for about six weeks or whatever. And then I went to a base. And I'd only been there a few days. And in the wee hours of the morning, I woke up because we had to get up at 4 to be at school at 6. So we got up at 4. But when I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I had been crying. My pillow was soaking wet. And I had a dream that today is still so awesomely real to me. I saw somebody in my family die. I didn't know who it was. And it was in a casket. And I was trying to see who this was. And there's a hand over the face. And everywhere I looked, that hand was over the face. I could not tell who it was. I didn't know what to do. The next morning, I went, got up and went to school. And at the first break at 8 o'clock, I called home. I said, Mom, is everybody okay? She said, well, sure, son. Everybody's fine. Something wrong with you? I said, no, Mom, I'm fine. She said, no, 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 son. There's something wrong with you. My mothers are smarter than that. And I said, no, Mom, I'm okay. She said, are you sure? I said, yes. I wasn't about to tell mother. 
I had had this dream that I saw some. I said, Mom, is Dad okay? Well, of course he is, son. He got up and went to work this morning. He's fine. See, he's the oldest, so you think, you know, something happened. It always happened to the oldest, right? Wrong. That night, my sister, which was little, just like a little bit, being 22 years old, and her girlfriend, which was about two years older than her, had went to a drive-in movie there in Goldthwait, Texas. They were on the way home, come over a hill, and there was a truck coming up the hill, and a carload of drunks passing the truck coming up the hill. And they were driving 50. They pulled over into the ditch right quick, and the drunks pulled into the ditch too, and they hit headlights to headlights at 50 miles an hour. And isn't it amazing? Four people in a carload of drunks, all of them drunk, and one of them got a broke ankle, and the rest of them walked away. But my sister and the other girl were killed. My sister went through the dash and through the windshield, cut her all to pieces. And the other girl rammed the steering wheel through her breast and killed her instantly. Both those little girls died. See, I didn't know enough about dreams and visions. I didn't even know how to come against this. Nobody had ever explained to me that God reveals things to His children through dreams and visions. If I'd have been smart... If I'd have been raised up in a church that knew these things and I'd have been taught, I'd have been on my face coming against this devil in the name of Jesus. I'd have been sending angels out. I'd have been doing all kinds of things. But if you don't know, you can't go beyond knowledge. God tries to get our attention. He tries to reveal things to us. And we, like a bunch of dummies, won't even understand or even try. It just petrified me. But did I know what to do? No. Why? I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I didn't have the power that could reveal to me the truth. I didn't know about the Holy Ghost. I didn't know how to deal with Him. I had zero knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Here I am, 24 years old. Got saved when I was 11. I mean, 13 years I've been a Christian. What should I have known in 13 years? I should have known a lot. But what did I know? Nothing. I'm so ashamed of myself. That I didn't spend any time studying this book. I didn't realize this book was important. I didn't realize there's a spiritual war going on out here. I didn't know. But that's the church today. Just like here. They don't know it either. They're doubting, thinking these men are drunk. Ain't no different than the rest of us today. Same kind of situation. But Peter's explaining to them what this is all about. This is what was written. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. You're going to have dreams and visions. He's going to pour out His Spirit upon the sons and daughters of God. And they're going to prophesy. You know, they're going to have great, great gifts that going to be poured out upon the children of God. And He's trying to tell us. And He says, And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my Spirit and they will or shall prophesy. Wow. You know, these are some of the gifts. Prophecy, you know, is one of the gifts. All these things. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned unto darkness and the moon into blood and before that great and notable day of the Lord. And verse 21, And it shall come to pass. This is the most important verse he put in there. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I mean, that come home to Cheryl, my wife, in such a powerful way when her daddy was falling into the abyss as he died, passed away last year. And he was not saved. And she's sitting beside the bed as he's dying. And I walk in and she says, Honey, can you pray for my daddy? I didn't even know her daddy. Barely. I'd met him twice. Once when he handed her to me right here. They didn't say a word to him. And the second, first time was when he come over to the house when I told him we were going to be married and I might have spoke two sentences to him. That's all I knew her daddy. But that night when Cheryl asked me to pray, I said, sure. And I knelt beside that bed and I started to pray. And again, I saw an open vision. I saw her daddy falling into the abyss backwards just like this. And I immediately gushed tears. I mean, gushed tears began to gush out of my eyes. I started screaming, Howard, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Howard, call on the name of Jesus. And Cheryl starts saying, yes, Daddy, call on the name of Jesus. She don't have a clue what's going on. She's just sitting there beside the bed. But she knows I'm doing, she knows something's happening. She knows I'm seeing something. I'm seeing this by the Holy Ghost. And He's showing me this. And I'm screaming, Howard, call on the name of Jesus as I'm watching him fall into the abyss. Howard, call on the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden I hear him say, Jesus. That's all he said was Jesus. And I saw a magnificent white light come from up above and illuminate him. And it stopped him dead still. And he turned up like Superman and flew right into that light and disappeared. Glory to God. What did he say? Anybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, you don't want to wait that late to do it. There might not be a Spirit-filled man with a Holy Ghost sitting beside your bed when that happens. And if he's not there and you wind up in hell, once you get through the gates of hell, there ain't no getting you out. Once you get there, it's over. That's why you and me are supposed to be out there doing what Jesus told us in John 20. We're supposed to be out there with that Holy Ghost. And as He sent God the Father, sent Him to do His will, you and me are supposed to be about the King's business. We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. I don't care where you go. You know, I don't care where you go. Anywhere you go, you're supposed to talk about Jesus. You know that? You walk into a restaurant, you want to find out if people know Jesus. You walk into a used car lot, you want to know if that guy knows about Jesus. You walk into a hospital, you want to know if they know about Jesus. Everywhere you want to talk about Jesus. He's our King. He's our Lord. We're His ambassadors, His representatives on this earth. And this is all that's supposed to be on our heart, is leading people to Christ, getting people saved, healed, and delivered. And if that's what's on your heart, He'll give you the ability to do whatever you need to do to make a living. You don't even have to worry about that. He'll give you the knowledge and the ability to do it. All you need is the infilling power of the Holy Ghost. Now then, after, he, after we go through that, we get call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Let's go to Acts 8. First of all, how did these people get the Holy Ghost in these first chapters? They prayed for ten days in one accord together, and that's how they got Him. 
And he came upon them. And they began to do great and wonderful things in the name of the Lord. Once they got the Holy Ghost. And then let's go to Acts 8.14 and let's see what happens here. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now what did they do here? They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Let's see why they did this. For as yet He was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's my Baptist church. We're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or in the name of Jesus. And that's as far as I had went. That's all I knew about the Holy Ghost. I mean, isn't it a shame that I got baptized when I was 11 and I got that and I don't even know there is a Holy Ghost. I'm just like these guys right here in the book of Acts. No difference. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet He was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost had not fell upon any of them, but how did it happen to them? They were prayed for, and hands were laid on them. And let's see what happens. They, but then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power. Man, I want that power that on whomsoever I lay my hands, he might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, what do you think Simon saw? When Peter and John prayed and laid their hands on these men and the Holy Ghost come upon them, they begin to throw their hands up and run around there and worship and praise and speak in tongues and prophesy and begin to go pray for the sick and all kinds of awesome things. Pete, walk up to somebody and say, You devil of hell, come out of him in the name of Jesus. The guy throw down on the ground and the demon come out and the guy gets up healed. He said, Whoa, I want that power. I'll give money for that power. I can sell that. Was his heart in the right place? No. Can you sell the kingdom of God? If you do, it's going to produce no fruit for you. And unfortunately, that's what too many of us in the kingdom are trying to do. We're trying to sell the kingdom. Like when Dave Rosenfeld went to ORU, they had a day up there when he's working on his master's, how to do your media and sell it. And they told him, said, guys, don't charge an absorbent amount of money for your material. Be reasonable with the people. You know, don't charge $20 for a DVD. You know, charge like 8 or 10 They said, why don't we do it God's way? And they said, what do you mean? He said, why don't we give it away? He said, now, wait a minute, you can't run a church and give everything away. He said, I work for a ministry that gives away everything. And said, they ain't never been out of money. They couldn't believe this. 
He said, I work for them. And he said, they never ask nobody for money. They even send out their stuff free and postpaid. They didn't pay the postage. And no, they don't even put a letter and they're pleading for you to send money. They just send it to you free and postpaid with an order form. So if you want to order some more, you can order some more. And the guy says, and they don't have a shortage of money? He said, not since I've known them. Well, let me tell you, we ain't never been short of money. God always meets our needs. And He answers our prayer. Woo! Isn't that wonderful? I love that. We love seeing God do the wonderful things He does. You know? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to just tell you that just a couple of days ago, in fact, Monday, yesterday, yesterday I had an appointment at 1 o'clock. And I, I forgot that it was supposed to be at his house in the other side of McKinney. So, at 12 o'clock, I'm doing things, running around there, and Kathy called. She said, you know you have an appointment at 1? I said, yes, Kathy, I have no problem. I have plenty of time to get there. She said, well, I'm going to call them and make sure they don't forget it. So, she called me back in about five minutes. She said, Thurman, the appointment, you're supposed to be at their house at 1 o'clock. I said, oh, that's right. I forgot. I said, okay. I said, call them back and see if they... They only live about five miles from the McKinney Airport. Big, beautiful airport. I said, call them and see if they can pick me up there. And I will come over there. So I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I don't have my material. I don't have my notebook. I don't have my GPS with all my information for the tower frequency and all this. So I've got to run back to the ministry center. I run back to the ministry center. I got all that stuff. Ran back out to the airport. I got to the airplane. Of course, I, it was low on fuel. I don't have enough fuel to fly over there and back because the last time I landed, I didn't fill it up. So this big monster, I normally can't pull it out of there by myself, but I don't have no help. So I put the tow bar and I said, Father, I need an angel. Angel, you help me push this airplane out of this hangar because I can't get it out here. It's too big for me. I put that tow bar and pulled that booger right out in the middle of the deal. This is easy. Not a problem. I said, okay, Lord, thank you, thank you. I said, angel, thank you. I took the tow bar off. I cranked the thing up. I pulled up there, and it started pouring down rain. So I pulled up to put fuel in it. I get out in the pouring down rain, put my hand over the nozzle to keep water from getting into the gas tank, and I put 20 gallons of fuel in each tank. And then I put the caps on, and I start to go up there to take off. And when I do, I look, and I thought, what did I do with that notebook that all those stuff on it? I had left it in the pickup. So I had to taxi back down, go back up there, and get. I thought, Lord, what am I doing? Am I losing my mind? I had to go up there and get out. I'd set the brake, leave the engines running, get out and run to the pickup, get the stuff, come back, jump into the car, and start back down there. And I pull back up the end of the takeoff and look down, and the wind's changed with the rain, and it's now going the other direction. So now I've got to taxi all the way to the other end and take off in the other direction. When I get down there, pouring down rain. When I get down there, there's a guy coming in, a bonanza. When he calls in, said he's on final. I said, what's the weather like up there? He said, well, if you're going to the west, it's not dead. If you're going to the north, then there's a big sail. If you're going to the east, it's solid, closed in. I'm going to the east. I pulled out on the runway after he landed. And I only pushed the throttles up about a third of the way for about 100 yards. And I'm thinking, do I go? Am I? I said, Lord, this is your business. I am about your business. So I just push the throttles on up. And I go ripping down the runway and I take off and I get about two miles out there and just fly right out in the clear. 
fly right out in the clear. And then I think, Lord, he said it's solid sails to the right. I need an opening to the right so I can get there. And I turned on the weather for McKinney, and it says it's 7,000 clear, or 7,000 overcast with 10 miles visibility, McKinney. So I just turned to the right, and as I looked off through yonder, the clouds just opened up, and I flew in a clear blue sky all the way to McKinney. I got over there and landed, got out. They had picked me up, and I went and spent about two and a half hours getting a man healed, teaching him the Word of God. And I wondered why I was so late. When I walked out, I said, I'm so apologetic. I'm so sorry that I was supposed to be here at one, and it's over after two. I'm so sorry. But I'm teaching 15 minutes, and a pastor walks in to don't believe the promises of God. And he sits down and he starts listening to me. And as he walks in, I'm nice to meet you, but said, I've only got about 15 minutes. I've got to pick up my children at school. Well, in 15 minutes, he said, can you excuse me just a minute? Picked up his cell phone and said, will you go get the kids? I can't leave. I've got to stay here. He stayed with us till 4.30 or early 5 when I got through. And I said, would you like to pray with me? He said, I would. I said, praise God. So I don't have any idea what God did with that man that day, but his divine appointment, there I was all kind of on edge because I was late, but everything, for the beginning of the book, the rain, the changing, everything was causing me to be exactly where God wanted me to be because the Holy Ghost was leading this whole thing. Everything. He got me there. I did everything. I went out and got in the airplane and took off and come back across here in beautiful clear sky and landed and pulled up and pulled into the hangar and got it tied down. And all of a sudden, it come a kaboom, bang. And before I got home, which is only a 10-minute drive normally, I'm driving down the freeway and the rain is blowing so hard, I'm driving 10 miles an hour and I can't see nothing. I mean, when you're in God's will, will He take care of you? Sure. What do we have to be afraid of if you have the Holy Ghost? Nothing. Nothing. God's in control. Are you going to have trials and tests? Oh, yes. But can we overcome those? Oh, yes. Because we've got this power, this Holy Ghost. He says here that after they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost, and when Simon saw this magnificent thing happen, he wanted it. Hey, if you ever get to where you can see the power of God, if you want to know why and when I stepped into this realm of seeing God do miracles and answer my prayer, it was right after one Sunday, my preacher, which loved God with all of his heart. He was a Ph.D. And he preached in church that there's no such thing as a second event called infilling power of the Holy Ghost. And a man loves God with all his heart. I know, I've, I know him for years. But as I drove by the church that next morning, I said, Lord, I looked over that church as I drove down the highway, and I said, Lord, that man that preached that sermon yesterday, he loves you with all his heart. But I said, I believe with all my heart he's wrong. I believe he's wrong. I believe from what I've studied in your word, there is this second event called the infilling power of the Holy Ghost. And I said, Lord, I've been raised in a Baptist church, and I'm reading it, and I'm listening to it, they say it's not available, but according to your word, it is. And Lord, if it is, if I'm right, I want it. Would you please fill me with the infilling power of the Holy Spirit? 
And I'm telling you, I had an experience between there and work that morning in that pickup that was beyond the wildest thing you've ever seen. And the power of God came upon me. And for a man, a Baptist deacon and a Sunday school teacher that ain't never seen a miracle, ain't never seen an answer to prayer, ain't never witnessed a man, I drove up that morning. I got out of that pickup. I walked up and there's a man standing on the dock. I said, good morning. How are you this morning? And he said, I'm not any good at all. I said, what happened? He said, yesterday my best friend was killed on Interstate 35 right downtown Dallas. I said, was he saved? He said, I don't know. I said, are you saved? He said, I don't even know what that means. I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, I guess not. I said, let me tell you about the best thing ever happened to me. And I jumped out there and began to share God like I'd been doing this all my life. And I ain't never done it before in my life. I begin to win people to Jesus. I begin to pray boldly. I begin to do things like I'd never done before. I begin to be able to pray in faith. I begin to see people get saved. I begin to see people get healed. I begin to see demons come out of people. It all happened after I asked that simple statement, Lord, if there is such a thing as a second event called the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, I want it. Luke eleven thirteen. That's what he says. Anybody that asks, I'll, if you're obedient, I will give him to you. But I ask in all the knowledge I had, and it came upon me. Now, how did these guys get it? They were Christians, but it hadn't happened to them yet either, had it? No. So what did they do? Paul and Peter, I mean John and Peter, went over there and they prayed for them. And they laid hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them. Now that's that's another way. Now what did they do? They prayed for ten days down there in that room, and he fell on them with fire. But here, they prayed and laid hands on them after they got saved. Okay, let's go to another. Let's go to Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. Acts ten thirty-eight. Let's go over and see what this says. Acts ten thirty-eight. In Acts 10.38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus have? The Holy Ghost. Now, just think. Until Jesus was baptized with the Holy Ghost when He was 30 years old, how many miracles did He do? None. But He was God. He was Jesus. Yeah, but without the Holy Ghost, He couldn't do nothing either, could He? Nope. He never done a miracle. Not a single one till he got the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit came upon him, then Jesus could turn water into wine. Jesus could do anything. But without the Holy Ghost, Jesus. If Jesus couldn't do nothing without the Holy Ghost, guess what you can do without Him? <laughs> nothing. Just exactly what I did for about 35 years of my life. Nothing. Was I a Christian? Yes. From the time I was 11 on. But did I see God do anything? No. Could I get a prayer answered? Didn't even know how to pray. I didn't have the teacher. I didn't have the one that could reveal to me the Word. Once you get the Holy Ghost, you don't need another teacher. That's all you need. All you need is the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. When you get those two, man, you got everything you need. All you got to do is lock yourself up with God. Now, that's what most of us are not willing to do. Most of us said a whole lot rather let somebody else do the work. And then we come and sit and listen to them teach it. That's the easy way, isn't it? Yes, it is. And praise God that some of us paid the price so that others can get it. I'm grateful that other men paid those prices so that I could go and listen to them and I could learn some of the things I've learned. And as I finally began to get a hold of this, 
I thought, man, this is something. So, but Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. Once He got the Holy Ghost, what did He go about doing? Doing good and healing all the sick. He was driving out these devils. He was doing good and healing all that was sick. And who and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So if God was healing those that were oppressed of the devil, then what is sickness? It's satanic oppression. That's what it is. When the devil comes upon you, he will make you sick. He will ruin you. He'll ruin your life. He'll ruin your whole day. He'll kill you. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they and hanged on a tree. Him, God... Let's see, I'm going to have to cut some of this short. We're getting a little short on time. Let's see what I'm going to cut out of here. It says, God raised up... You know, God, there's, there's not anything I can leave out there. In verse 40... One, he says, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he raised him from the dead. And he commanded us to preach. Now listen, this is very, very important. And He commanded us to preach unto the people. What did He command you and me to do? Preach unto the people. And this was a spoken word from God years ago to me, a revelation. I was asking a question. This was His answer right here. It told me Acts 10.42 was the answer to my question. And it took me three months to get it. I'm pretty dense sometimes. And He says, And He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is He, Jesus, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick or the saved and the dead or the lost. So see, here's where you can't make a judgment. You might say, I don't think that guy's saved. You're judging incorrectly. It is not your job to say whether you think whether somebody's in the church he said, well, I know this lady. I know she's got to be saved. Nobody knows that but God. You might look at Thurman and say, wow, I know he's saved. But see, only God knows the heart. You don't. You can find men in the church that appear to be great men or women that appear to be great men and women of God, but they're really not of God. They're really not of God. And that's scary. See, the Lord tells us in His Word that Satan sends his angels of light in among us to deceive us. So if what they're teaching is not the Word, then you better have a problem with these people. You know, if they're, And I've said this, especially since I got the Holy Ghost and stepped over into this world of faith. If you're in a church and there's no answers to prayer, there's no salvations, there's no healings, and there's no miracles you need to find you another church or you need to start praying for that one. One of the two. 
You can change that church. You can change things at that church. You can have a tremendous impact on that body. You really can. But he says here, and and in verse 43 he says, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believe in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, anybody that believes in the name of Jesus, now he, uh, uh, Peter's preaching this, and the next verse says, While Peter yet spoke these things. Now, he's just preaching. While Peter yet spoke these things, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the Word of God. He's just preaching. He's preaching the Word. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just comes in and just starts falling all over people. How would you like to be in a church meeting like that? Ooh, glory to God. That's what we want to be. We want to see God do these great and wonderful things. Now, everybody's hearing the Word. The Word is what the Holy Ghost comes to. The Word. And so, he was preaching and said, They of the circumcision which believed were astonished. That's a normal, that's a normal Christian today. We were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, even them that come with Peter, they were amazed. Hey, this is for the Jews. This is not for you bunch. This is for us. Isn't that amazing? How we are like that. We don't want everybody to share in these gifts. We don't want everybody to have these gifts. But we should. We should want everybody to have this great and awesome power. Shouldn't we, brother? Absolutely. Then he says, And they of the circumcision... Okay, verse, next, next verse, 46. So they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as us? Now, wait a minute. These people, they're not even saved yet. I mean, the Holy Ghost couldn't come on somebody that ain't saved. Could He? Did He? I mean, can you put Him in a box? No. These people are just hearing the Word of God. A bunch of Gentile people that are lost as a goose. And Peter's just preaching the Word, and the Holy Ghost just starts hitting them. Bam! Who knows what? They're falling on the floor. They're getting up, raising their hands up, magnifying God, praising the King, prophesying, speaking in tongues, all kinds of things. There. And Peter and his bunch of backed off said, Whoa! What is going on? This is what happened to us back here. You know, after we prayed ten days. They didn't have to pray ten days. All I had to do was just talk a few minutes. And all these, it, it ain't fair. Well, what, what, what does God do? He does it His way. You can't put the king in a box. He's in control. You're not in control. What did He tell you and me to do? Preach and I'll take care of the rest of it. That's all you've got to do is preach the Word. He said, I'll take care of the rest. And after they preached the Word and all these things happened, the Holy Ghost had fell on them. And it says, and He commanded them. He, wow. And He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they, let him tarry a, a certain days. I can only imagine, you know, if a preacher comes to a place, they had never seen nothing like this. 
and Peter gets up there and speaks a few words and the Holy Ghost falls and, and people are falling and, and they're getting up prophesying and speaking in tongues and worshiping God and jumping up and down, dancing. They say, we don't know what we got. But whatever it is, we won't. Obviously, you know what it is. We need you. It came when you came. So we need you to explain more about this to us. And so they want him to stay a few days. I mean, don't run off. We want to know what we got. Because we don't know what we got, but we like what we got. When this Holy Ghost comes upon you as a Christian, you will love what you got. You will love what you got. Now then, let's go to the last place on this. So, Acts 19.1. Turn over to Acts 19.1. We'll see another way God did it in the Word. I mean, isn't it amazing how the Lord put so many examples in here of how He does things? He told, he showed us here as we're going to go through this in the book of Acts about the Holy Ghost. We're going to see that God does not put a limit on the way He does things. I mean, He's He's God. He's the King. He's the head of this church. That's like one day, one and it's never happened but one time since I since I've been in this church. One time I got up here to preach one Sunday afternoon, and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, in fact, I think it was even before we'd start, done this song service. We were going to sing, and I stood up there, and the Lord says, There's some people here today, several of them, that has pain in their body. He said, I want you to call them up here right now. I want to heal them. I said, I've never done this before, folks, but the Lord just spoke to me. I said, I don't want you to come unless you have pain. But if you've got pain in your body, I want you to come up here. And I figured two or three people show up. About 25 got up and showed up. And I didn't know what to do. I said, well... Okay, so I had a long line. So I got the first one up there, and I just, I said, I just stood up. I said, okay, I'm just going to. I said, Lord, this is your church, not mine. I'm just, I said, I said, just close your eyes. Let your hands down where you sat. Just relax. And I said, I said, Lord, they're your, you heal them. You deliver them. You take away their pain. And one by one, in the next two hours, he healed every one of those people one by one. That day when we left here, the Holy Ghost had healed every one of those people. And two or three or four weeks later, I said, anybody here at Sunday that we had the little healing service, that's all it was? Several people raised. I said, are you still healed? You're still healed. No more pain. I had one woman. One woman is her first Sunday. And she was up there. And she was sitting there. And I said, ma'am, I said, you still got the pain? She said, I still got the pain. I said, I won't. Say Jesus. She said, G -g 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 -g. I said, ma'am, say Jesus. G -g -g -g. I said, can't you say Jesus? G -g -g -g. I said, you devil of hell, come out of her in the name of Jesus. I said, now say Jesus. She said, Jesus. And then she got healed. She had a demon. She had a demon. When I cast that demon out of her, she could say Jesus. She got saved and healed that day. First Sunday she'd ever been here. What an experience. She come lots after that for a long time. Praise God. Okay. Acts 19.1. Then we'll finish up right here tonight. Acts 19.1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, wait a minute. Stop and think about this. Paul, you think Paul was a fairly intelligent man? 
Huh? I mean, he was extremely intelligent, well-trained. Okay, now let me ask this question. If you cannot get the Holy Ghost, and there is no such thing as a second event called the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you could get everything you got when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, then that would be kind of like me as an engineer asking you if you just went out and bought a new car today. I said, did you get an engine in your car? He said, how dumb are you, Thurman? You can't buy a car without an engine. What good would a car be without an engine? Or what if I ask you, did you get air conditioning on your car? Now, see, can you buy a car either way? Sure, you can get one with air conditioning or without air conditioning. So, if I asked a question, did you get air conditioning on your car? That would be an intelligent question because you can buy it either way. But if I asked you the dumb question, did you get tires on your car? You ever see anybody buy a car that didn't have tires? Only a wreck, you know, that it was fixed to drag off to the dump ground. That's the only way. So, you know, when I look at this, I think, here's Paul. He said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I mean, if it wasn't something you could receive second, why would Paul ask such a dumb question? You see where I'm coming from? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. That's me in a Baptist church. That's where I lived. I didn't know there was. I mean, so how could I receive him? I didn't know about him. That's these guys right here, just like it. They got saved, but they didn't know. But it says, And he said unto them, well, then why were you baptized? And they said to him, oh, We're baptized in John's baptism. Oh, he said, Oh, in John's baptism. Then said Paul, John, he baptized with the baptism of repentance. Now, what did Jesus send John to do? Teach, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn from your wicked ways so I can heal you when I get there. Jesus wanted you to repent. If you don't repent from your sins, even Jesus can't heal you. He's to ask you to repent. That's John's total message. Repent. The, Baptist, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for six months. That's all he did, run across the country. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And people baptized for the repentance of their sins. And when Jesus showed up, man, he just healed them all. Because they'd all been baptized for repentance of their sins. Then he says, with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on Him which should come after Him, that is, in Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And still nothing happened. They believed and were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I wonder how I missed all that all those years. I wonder how I could read this book and not believe what this book says. Well, and all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months. He's trying to tell them what they got. He ain't going to get it done in one or two sessions. So he's going to speak every day for three months and explain to them the kingdom of God. 
He wants them to be equipped when He leaves. And, and how would y'all like to go to a meeting with Paul? Because, you know, sometimes Paul preached all night. All night long. You know, he didn't just go till 9 o'clock and say, okay, it's over, folks. We're going home. And it's uh, about five minutes after 9. We're going to quit pretty quick. But we ain't going to quit till we finish this little session. We don't like much. And, it's a, and they were disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when, well, when these divers were hardened and believed not, but spoke evil, I mean, we had these guys then too. Before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one whatever. Tyrannus, or however you say that. And this continued by the space of two years. I mean, he's having a trouble getting through to these guys, isn't he? But when you've got some devils out there that's telling you that there ain't no such thing as a Holy Ghost, well, let's see what he had to do. It goes on. Which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles, and God... Oh, when God shows up. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick. They brought these handkerchiefs and aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Now then, if you can't get it when you see this happen... Your wood is wet. You have trouble lighting a fire with a soaking wet wood. But let me tell you, my wood was soaking wet for a long time. But praise God, it finally dried out. And a spark hit in the right place and it got on fire. And when it got on fire and started burning, I said, Whoa, this is awesome. Let me dry this wood out a little more. I want it to burn with a raging fire. Now then, Let's go to Luke 11. And we've finished at Luke 11. Is God a respecter of persons? If He done that with Paul, will He do it through you? Yes, He will, if you'll do the same thing Paul did. Uh, Luke, let's go back to Luke. Luke 11. Luke eleven thirteen. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Amen. Amen. How do you get it? You ask in faith, nothing wavering. So somebody says, I want the Holy Ghost. And we lay hands on you and touch you, and then we leave it. We do the natural, and God does the supernatural. You say, well, I want to speak in tongues and prophesy right now. You may do it. You may fall under the Spirit. You may jump up prophesying, speaking in tongues. And you may not feel a thing, which you probably won't. I didn't feel a thing. When I ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit for a little while. But boy, after a little while, a power 
came upon me that changed my ability to think. You know, everything about me began to change, and I began to see miracles, and I became bold as a lion. I mean, in my workplace, I became a bolder engineer. I now prayed every time I needed to do something. I prayed and asked God to show me how to do something. And that's when I started seeing visions and had a few dreams, but not many dreams. Most of them are open visions. And He began to show me how to design and build equipment and all kinds of things. And I'd just done awesome things. It all happened after the Holy Spirit came upon me. Now then, I can think of times people, I think of a lady one time we prayed for and she said, I want the infilling power of the Holy Ghost. So Richard said, be filled in the name of Jesus. He said, that all there was to it? I said, I did my part. Now it's up to God to do His. <laughs> okay, she said. And she walked out. Walked out muttering to herself. She gets down the street and she pulls up to the first red light and nothing happens. And she said, God, is this stuff really real? She pulls up to the second red light and he hit her. <laughs> Bam! And the Holy Ghost come all over that woman and she was all over that car. <laughs> Speaking in tongues, prophesying, doing all kinds. They came back and said, wow, this is real. I said, well, of course it's real. You know, but she said, I didn't think I got anything. I said, well, hey, see, that's where you go wrong. You got to believe you got it. And when's the manifestation going to come? I don't know. That's between you and God. That's just like when the manifestation of the gift of miracles. Again, that's one of the gifts. Nine gifts of the Spirit. I wish I could turn that gift on. I wish I could turn that on 24-7. I wish I could turn the gifts of healing on 24-7. I wish I could turn all those gifts on. But I can't do it. It's as the Spirit wills. So when I reach up to... Just like when I was in Louisiana that time. I reached up and a woman come up. She's shaking like this. I'd preached two hours teaching the Word of God. This woman came up and I said, What's wrong with you? She said, I got Parkinson's and lupus. And I reached up and I laid my hands on her shoulder and I said, In the name of Jesus. And immediately her hands went, I said, Whoa, the gift of miracles. It's here. I said, You're healed. That's when I ran over here to Johnny Brumfield. I didn't know who he was, but I knew he was a man sitting right there with both knees crushed. I knew that he had steel braces on his leg and just sticking straight down. I said, What happened to you? He said, 21 months ago, a big tree fell across a tractor and crushed my legs. They done surgery on me, but they said, I ain't never going to walk another step in my life. I said, but Jesus said in John 14, 13, anything I ask the Father in His name, He'll do it. I said, do you believe it? He said, yes. I knelt down and I prayed. Simple little prayer, half a minute long. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to John 14, 13, He'll make those knees brand new in Jesus' name. I said, thank you, Lord, it's done. I said, take that seal off and let's walk. Man, he started unstrapping that steel. He took it off. I reached out and grabbed him by the hand, jerked him up. He said, oh, 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 it hurts. I said, I know it's going to hurt. The devil's going to make it hurt. But don't you believe him? I said, come on. And I jerked him, just like Peter did the guy at the gate beautiful. I said, come on, take a step. He took a step. Come on. time I got three steps at him, I said, you're on, you're on. Healed. You're healed. Walk. And he walked around the podium three times and broke down that aisle, run plumped to the back of that church with his hands raised. Baptist screaming, God is awesome. Let me tell you, even a Baptist can get excited when the Holy Ghost shows up. Don't go home without Him. Don't leave home in the morning to work without asking Him to fill you every day. He's like power in your gas tank. You use Him up every day. 
ask Him over and over during the course of the day, Father, fill me with Your mighty Holy Spirit and power. He said, I give Him to everybody that obeys me. You've got to obey Him. If you don't obey Him, He's not going to give Him to you. Obey Him. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank You for this evening. We want to thank You, Lord, for the privilege to speak and talk about this magnificent power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we praise You for Him. We praise You for these magnificent things that the Holy Ghost does through us. We ask You, Lord, to send Him to do more through us. We want to humble ourselves before You and obey You so that You can do great and mighty things through us, through Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for Your Word, which explains to us the Holy Ghost and how He works. But Lord, thank You for the Word that explains You and how You work. We praise You and thank You for the Word. Thank You for this evening. Bless it as we go forth from here and use every one of us mightily this week. In Jesus' name, Amen.